Before we get to today's episode of Collegiate Chaos on the Testudo Times Podcast Network, we'd like to apologize for slight technical difficulties um, around the two-minute mark to the seven-minute mark of this podcast, and then the last four minutes, the 57-minute mark to the one-hour uh, one mark. There was some slight te- technical difficulties. You're going to hear a lot of staticky. You can kind of hear what we're saying, but we apologize for the te- technical difficulties. If you want to skip ahead and fast-forward those parts, go ahead, and it will not happen again in the future as we record every Tuesday. Enjoy the show. Welcome into the Collegiate Chaos Podcast on the Testudo Times Podcast Network, the brand new debut episode of this new podcast that we're bringing to to Testudo Times. I'm Sam Ostry alongside Ben Dixon and Matt Levine. Guys, it's good to be back. How are we doing? Doing great. Very happy to bring this over to Testudo Times to provide some some Terps talk and also some national coverage and just just ready to get going here in the home stretch of the season. Yeah, like Ben said, just happy to be back. Always happy to talk some some great sports with the fellas and we hope now we'll, we'll we'll just keep this going a little bit more consistently than we have been. Yeah, we're we're definitely expecting to have weekly episodes now with the three of us and it's great to be back with you guys. So let's get right into Maryland men's basketball. We're, you know, we're going to be talking about the entire college sports landscape on this show, including when it's college football season. We're going to get into a lot of college basketball today. But let's start with Maryland men's basketball, who is now below 500 for the first time in a season since 2013-2014. If they fall, if they end the season below 500, would be the first time since 1992-93 season. That's a long time. This program is in a dire state. Let's just give overall thoughts on where Maryland men's basketball stands right now. Um, obviously, their last loss to on Ohio State this past Sunday, and they have Iowa coming up on Thursday. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the, the state of the program and how bad and dire it really is right now. Um, it's really upsetting because you come into the season as a preseason top 25 team. You really think you have a lot of pieces, and the coach leaves about 10 games into the season. Team kind of is in free fall mode from there. Obviously, they had a, a couple highlights against, I guess, Illinois and at Rutgers, and now three losses in a row. But really upsetting. I mean, I've been watching Maryland basketball my whole life, um, and I really, I mean, when you said 2012-13, and then 1992-93 was was the worst they've uh, finished since then. But um, and it, it seems and it very season, unlikely. Season. I know, and it seems very unlikely that they're going to finish over 500 this year. Oh, very unlikely. I mean, you look at the schedule. Ken Palm gives them over a 50% chance to win in two games, which is at Nebraska, which in my opinion is a losable game, and home against Penn State, which I mean, also, and and, and home against Minnesota too, sorry, so three games there out of what, the remaining one, two, three, four, eight games. So it's really not great, and like I said, I've been watching Maryland my whole life. I can't really remember a team that's been in a state like this, at least in recent memory. I know uh, when Kershaw initially took over, and there was uh, a mass transfer exodus a couple years in, but as well as Mel Trimble saved the program there. Um, but yeah, just the state of the program is really bad right now. There's really not much to talk about from the last game against Ohio State. Uh, Dante Scott, 25 points, not much contributions otherwise. But the program's just not in a great state right now. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing every game just flashes of potential and flashes of what we thought this team and, and each individual player would bring this season. And a game like that for Dante Scott were pretty meaningless from tip to finish. Ohio State pretty much controlled that whole game. But he still scores 25 points. He was very efficient. He was attacking the basket. He looks like an NBA player. And that's the player we thought he would have been last year. He was solid last year. Thought he would make a, an even bigger jump this season. But it's been so inconsistent, I think, for everybody because there's been stints for literally every player, Matt Russell, Eric Ayala, Caduce Wahab, where they've been either great or really, really on 
collective effort, effort where everybody is playing well. Probably, I mean, you could say the same one, but even before that, I think Mike Cox. Yeah, that's probably It's just so consistent in conference play, and you can't survive a big time like that. But there's so many side factors that are adding to that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Last thing I think I'm just shocked that James Green's going to do a whole in a row that not many players kind of just said, oh, that's it, that's it, I don't play here anymore because he wants to step down in December. I mean, I mean, I don't know what to expect the soft players leaving, what players are coming in him because they've already lost a lot of commitment, and, and I think that should be it. They have to decide size coaches sooner than later because that that really determines the next the next five five ten years, years over program. I think that's the start now. Yeah, and look, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, like, like, you, like, you, like you're right, you're right, coaching, coaching changes in this season. But, like, but obviously, obviously, that's going to tear, it's, tear, it's not necessarily tear, tear somebody, but it's going to be hard to recover from that. From that. Danny Manning, Danny Manning, Danny Manning, Danny Manning, Danny Manning, has done a good job, good job, rallying, rallying, good time, and playing hard, and playing tough, and tough. You know, they really are really rallying, and I think at this point, they're still giving effort, and they didn't lay out. That's a credit to Danny Manning, obviously, and been a head coach before, and college basketball, basketball legend in general, general, but you know, you know what, Something something that's 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 something is is a question, question that remains answered answered on one where answer answer can be a really highly high player players to go in this program. Al's Al's almost definitely gone about it too wide come back to the season. Fats Fats is gone. Dante Dante can be transferred transferred to another school and goes Bahab Bahab who knows he transfers again. Juju's probably the one player who's in reach the same day in the building block of next next year's team is your sister Angel obviously she has to come back for a couple more years. But I really, I really think Coutinho can build around him. Harvey Martins, he transferred. Me and Martinez is really falling out of his rotation as of late. What's the deal with him? Xavier's green is gone. And it's, and it's just, it's, just, it's a really just a dire situation. I hate to use that word again, but like you said, Sam, I really don't know who's going to be on this roster next year other than you think Julian Reese. Like Mike Cornish gets redshirted this year to see that. He's batting go to another school. Who knows? Then you've got Cassius McNeely transferring to Maryland. Um... What is that? What is that? Let's say he's definitely saved. That's two players you definitely know are probably going to be on the roster next year. It's really, really an interesting situation. And with the transfer portal nowadays, you never know how, how much the roster can change. Because the coaching change in 2022 is a lot different than the coaching change in 2012, excuse me, where you can just jump ship and, and go to another school without having to sit out of here. I think the building blocks have to start with Dante Scott and Nikita Martin. Those are two starters for the last two, three years now. You have to keep them if you're the next coach. You have to convince them to stay in some capacity, and Julian Reese as well. Uh, I would say you can probably let Ian Martinez decide to go play somewhere else. I don't want to slander him too much because he he has some again he has those bright spots, but then also struggles at times as well, and he's just fallen out of the rotation pretty much as a whole. So I would assume that he wants to go somewhere else as well. But I think you got to keep Dante Scott, you got to keep Akeem Hart, and if you can keep Julian Reese as well, you can build around him. Does Caduce Wahab stay as well? Maybe. Maybe I, I don't. I, there's, there's just so much we don't know. We don't know anything. Yeah, and I think that's that's why it's so concerning to see them 
play the way they are and then just have no idea what could even happen tomorrow or yeah. the next day. And it, all of this depends on who that next coach is. The one piece, which you said I completely agree with, Ben, is Julian Reese is sticking around, and I don't really think that matters who the next coach is because he's good enough where a new coach comes in looks at this guy be like, this guy has so much raw talent, so much potential. Like I, I want I want him to stick around. You convince him to stick around. Obviously, his sister is a star on the women's basketball team, so why wouldn't he stick around? And then the two big ones are Dante Scott and Akeem Horton. Again, I think it just completely depends on who that next coach is, which we won't find out for a little while. And then you like talked about Q. He's an interesting one. Would a new coach see value in, with him? Like, would he want to transfer? Maybe want to stay? He obviously played high school ball in Virginia and went to Georgetown and is now in Maryland. So he's always been local in the area. Where else would he go if he if he didn't transfer? It doesn't. Who knows? But all this depends on this next question of who the next coach is and. You know, when you look at it right now, originally Maryland fans were hopeful maybe Bruce Pearl was going to get a shot, maybe Rick Pitino was going to get a shot. It looks like both those guys are locked up, and I really didn't want Rick Pitino. Ben did, but, <laughs> but um, looks like Andy Enfield is the front runner right now. You know, Damon Evans, the athletic director, said in an interview like he even mentioned his name as like not as a potential candidate, but someone who could who could they kind of could reach out to. Right now, who is your front runner? Give me a, give me some options that we can bounce off of. Yeah, I mean I don't know if um if he's my favorite option, but I think the name that's pr- the two names that have been thrown around the most are Andy Enfield and, and Kevin Willard. And I think Andy Enfield's a name that's gotten a lot more buzz publicly, um, just even outside uh, the Maryland uh media and fan network. And you look at him, 19-4 and four this year. They haven't really played too many teams, uh, too many great teams, 25 in Ken Palm. Uh, could have had a big win at Arizona last Saturday. Uh, they blew that. And his, his recruiting class has been is really good. I think he has a couple five stars coming in next season, um, but from California, I'm pretty sure. So I don't know if they'd, they'd hop ship with him to Maryland. And last season, he went to the Elite Eight. So I think he might not be the flashiest hire. He did get his MBA from Maryland, I'm pretty sure. Um, so he could have some some heart and investment in the program in that sense. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily hate the hire. He's not a home run. But I think he is someone whose name you're going to see more and more often within this next month. And then when USC season ends, I mean, I'd be shocked if he didn't get an interview and was was one of the, the first guys, if not the first guy, to land one. But I like him over Kevin Willard personally. Um, I know Kevin Willard's at Seton Hall. He's had some relative success there. Smaller school, harder to recruit. But... You know, not not a huge Willard fan in terms of, of what he brings to the table and how he could, you know, re-energize the Maryland program. Same could be said for Enfield, but I don't know. I, I was I was a big uh, big Patino guy, but obviously the allegations there, uh, something the university might not be a huge fan of, and he's having a lot of success at Iona too. So who knows? He's getting up there in age. But Matt, what do you think? I think those are all great points. But with Enfield, you mentioned he gets his MBA from Maryland. He played at Johns Hopkins. Those are probably two bullet points that would be I guess positives if you want to go hire somebody that's local and knows the area and, and that's before. also for him that's why he would come back all right. the way from California exactly so that's definitely a big possibility and again I, I have no idea where the direction is they're going to go and who they're going to get but do you try to make a home run hire and have that coach stay for a long time or do you hire somebody that can kind of get the program back to relevancy for a few years and then that's when you make that that big hire when the program's already back up there 
Yeah, I mean, there's so many names. Kim English obviously doing a decent job at Georgia Mason this year, beating uh, Mark Turgeon in Maryland early this season. Um, he's a really young, up-and-coming guy with uh, Dwayne Simpkins as his assistant coach. Mm-hmm. Maybe he gets a look. Who knows? I know we've heard rumblings throughout the athletic direct uh, department of maybe Juan Dixon getting an interview. I don't think anyone thinks he's he's the guy for this job at this point in time, given what he's done at Coppin State. But obviously the courtesy of giving arguably the best player in program history interview there. And then there's other names we've seen. Ed Cooley from Providence. They're probably going to lock him up. Maybe Nate Oates once added Alabama, but that's a huge buyout. I think I joked with you, Dixon, but it seems like every potential candidate, like superstar candidate that Maryland can get, they're seeming to have their best season ever. Ed Cooley, Bruce Pearl, Rick Pitino, like they're all they're all having unbelievable seasons where their school wants to lock them up for good now. Well of course I think I think what you're gonna see in this in this coaching search throughout the next month or whatever it is, is guys are gonna float the Maryland job out there to the athletic department, their respective athletic departments, and they're gonna use it as leverage to get a raise which you know, all power to them. Nothing, nothing really wrong with that. But there, there's so many names in this discussion. I know Mark Pope from BYU, Nico Medved from Colorado State. So maybe outside the box names there who've had success at mid-major schools. But we really, we really don't know what direction they're going to take this in. All we know is the comments from from Damon Evans, who who seems really bought in and has made some really great comments about bringing this program back to a national championship uh, caliber level. Yeah, and, and and yeah, and so like I completely agree with all that. You know, Kim English is another name. That's that's been floated out there you know he at George Mason he's not having like the greatest year ever obviously they upset Maryland but he's been without his his best player the last two games but they've struggled a little bit in in the A-10 so I don't see that being a potential option they need a home run hire and that doesn't need to be a Rick Pitino or Bruce Pearl or an established guy but it can't be a guy who doesn't have a lot of success because part of it is bringing excitement and energy back to this program who's having its worst season in we talked about decades and decades so, like, it's about bringing immediate excitement back to the program while also maintaining, like, having that trust that they can build something for the future. And, and you want a guy here, like, Maryland's had very few coaches over the last 40 years. You want a guy here that can, that can be here for a decade plus, maybe two decades, and obviously bring Maryland back into national prominence. Yeah, it's, it's, it's incredibly crucial, uh, the hire they make. And obviously you want someone who it's a destination job. That's what Maryland should be. If it's if it really is a top 15 program in the country, one that can compete for national titles, it needs to be a destination job. We want to hire someone that's going to end their career at Maryland. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there, there's our Maryland head coaching talk. Uh, we'll quickly go to Maryland women's basketball. They're, they're after a, um, a little bit of a struggle start. They obviously scheduled very difficultly. Ashley Wusu's out right now, um, but they've won five in a row. Uh, the last last one was without Ashley Wusu. Um Faith Masonis obviously was a key bench player. She's been out for the season, so they've had a ton of adversity. Ben obviously covers the team, so we'll, we'll talk quickly about um, what Maryland women's basketball has been up to. Yeah, I mean, it's really been been a year full of adversity uh, for the women's team. Uh, obviously, they had the four-game stretch against uh, Baylor, Stanford, NC State, and South Carolina, all top 10 opponents uh, back in November and December, and they really had to do a lot of that shorthanded uh, Katie Benson and Faith Masonis, when she was healthy, they were dealing with illnesses. Diamond Miller, uh, the star junior guard, one of the best guards in the nation, maybe the big, the best pro prospect on this team, uh, was hurt for a long time with a knee injury. But she's kind of back through her non-conference schedule, as uh, as head coach Brenda Frieza said. But they're kind of hitting their stride now. Uh, you knew the schedule was going to open up here in February against some some mid-tier to lower-tier Big Ten competition, and they'll in all likelihood win tomorrow against 6-16 and Wisconsin, uh, hopefully riding a six-game winning streak for them into 
the last four games of the season, huge stretch against Caitlin Clark of Iowa. Then you got rematches with Ohio State, Michigan, and Indiana. So that, if Owusu returns, it'll say a lot about where the team stands at that point. If she doesn't, those games are probably going to be pretty tough to win. It would be extremely impressive without her. But it, it's crazy that this team has been fully, it was fully healthy, I think, for only a couple games until Faith Masonis tore ACL. But now, I mean, once Ashley Owusu comes back, this is it's a seven-woman rotation. It's, it's as healthy as it's going to get. It's crazy that a team like Brenda Freeze and just has last year too, just no depth at all, but probably top five in talent in the entire country. And there's there's luxuries to having depth, obviously, but I think that with the with the season that they've had, they have never been more battle tested, probably ever under Brenda Freeze. And I mean, we looked at the schedule before the season started and then middle of the season. You look at it now towards the end of the season. It, it's just so daunting. And these are, I guess you look at these records against the top 25 teams or even the top 10 teams, you know, the, the win against Baylor is pretty much the only win there. But that's a full-strength yep. victory. Yep. You look at every other game. It's well, that's the one that with five five or six rotation players, which was, which was amazing. That win is looking more and more impressive exactly. by the day. And then after that, NC State number five, Stanford number seven, in the Bahamas, but you're not at full strength. You don't have Katie Benson, no Diamond Miller, other players out with illness, injuries. Faith, I don't believe, was there as well during that. So mm-hmm. then you go to South Carolina on the road. They still play them tight. Without Diamond Miller, they probably win that game or lose by one possession if, if she's there. So. so let me ask you this, Matt, and then Ben, you can answer it. You know, last year they weren't battle-tested at all. And that was, I think, a big reason. You know, the Big Ten wasn't as good last year, so that was kind of the competition that they had to play. But their non-conference schedule wasn't near as good either. And they got upset early, way earlier than people expected them to, to Texas in the tournament. You know, do you think this team is still, obviously I believe they're 15th in the country right now, but do you still think this team is a, is a Final Four potentially team? They've been battle-tested. They've hit a ton of adversity. They're conti- going to continue to experience that. But it, could this team be a Final Four team? I think absolutely. I think they could... I think they still can win the national championship with the talent they have and the head coach and just the rest of the staff as well. It's one of the best programs. It's one of the winningest programs in the sport. And I think they're under the radar right now, ranked in, what are they now, 15? 15. So you're talking about a team that's ranked in the top three, and then they go top five. They start moving down a little bit. They're at seven for a while. They go down to 17 after a few losses. But those are losses to Michigan on the same day that head coach Brenda Freeze's father passes away and then the next loss is against Ohio State on the road when coach Freeze isn't there she's at her father's funeral so that's adversity off the court but you also have adversity on the court I think that that is building uh, a successful team in terms of when March comes we can't lose they're going to make a run in the Big Ten tournament they could probably win the Big Ten tournament I still think they're the most talented team in the conference and although the Big Ten is probably the best it's been since Maryland came into it, I, I still think they'll, they'll, they will compete and they probably will win those games in the Big Ten tournament to come out on top. But when you lose those early season games, you figure out how to win them later on in the season. And I think that's going to really push them forward in March. I think they could get to the Final Four, maybe win the whole thing. Definitely. And, and I wrote a, wrote a piece last week on kind of how that adversity is kind of shaping into helping them shape an identity heading into February and kind of nearing this 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 tough stretch of the season. So I think if anything, it helps. Um, I had a conversation with associate head coach Karen Blair uh, a 
couple months ago, and she was talking about how, you know, Hall of Fame coach Brenda Fries, her teams always peak at the right time. And it looks like that's what this team could be doing as long as they're healthy. Uh, and that's that's a big if. But, yeah, we'll see with this team. The, I think I think there is some hope as long as, as everyone gets back to playing and, and the chemistry gets better with everyone healthy. Even last year, too, Angel Reese was out for months with right. a broken, I don't remember if it was foot or ankle, but she missed a lot of time. She comes back, and I don't think many people thought she was going to play, but then she did. So we don't really know what's going to happen with Ashley Wusu, but if she does come back, that's tremendous and a great addition to the team. I think that would really obviously help them a lot. But, I mean, this schedule towards the end of the season, there's five or there's, yeah, five more games left in the regular season. The last four are against, you mentioned, Iowa, Ohio State, Michigan, Indiana. Those are extremely hard games, but you already played those. You already played three of those teams. The result could definitely change. I think that this is where they, this part of the schedule that they're just getting through right now: Northwestern, Rutgers, Penn State, Michigan State, Nebraska, and then Wisconsin. We expected them to win all of those games, and they have so far. They yep. had Wisconsin left. That's where they needed to pick up all those wins, and then bring that momentum into the the final four games of the regular season, then forward into March. So at least we have one uh, basketball program here in College Park in contention, and we'll continue to <laughs> continue to check on them and um, give you updates on their season as we record every week. So now let's go to the entire collegiate uh, basketball landscape on the men's side. Um, you know we're recording here Tuesday, February eighth. We there's a great slate of games tonight. We're going to get to those, give some picks out, but let's talk about Monday's results and and what's going on in in the country. So last night, Virginia shocked number seven Duke on the road, 69 to 68, obviously on that uh, Reese uh, Beckman, excuse me, Reese Beekman buzzer beater three. Um, You know, Virginia was a double digit underdog in that game and they came in and shocked Duke in Cameron Indoor. Um, Duke's stars, including Paolo, he completely fell apart, not fell apart, but was completely absent in that second half. You know, he wasn't even looking for shots, honestly. And so, you know, it was, it was a disappointing loss for Duke, but it, it, was a t- it was a big win for Virginia. Virginia team that struggled this year, struggled to put up a lot of points, and they, they, they're really in, on the bubble now. They were really outside of the bubble. Maybe this win could get them on the bubble. But overall, you know, what are your impressions from that game? And, like, is this Duke team susceptible to a, to a early upset in the tournament? I think they're one, maybe the most talented team yep. in the entire country still. But I think this Duke team could easily be a second-round exit in the tournament. Yeah, I mean, I think just talking about last night first, it was it was a classic vintage Tony Bennett masterclass. Mm-hmm. Uh, Duke's defense was not good down the stretch, but to hold Paulo Bancaro to only one shot and zero points while he played all 20 minutes in the second half, and Virginia only turned the ball over five times, held the lead for nearly 31 minutes. I don't want to say dominant, but they they had a grip on that game for, yeah. for pretty much the majority of it, and it was really really impressive, kind of getting on the bubble with that win. But to your point about Duke, obviously so much talent with I mean Ben Caro now AJ Griffin, you probably mm-hmm. have two top ten picks. Trevor Keels is also a really good freshman. Freshman Wendell Moore is there in his junior year. Uh, Mark Wendell Moore is the real veteran on the team. You know, yeah, all this is that's why like they could be susceptible, and they've had some of these losses because especially at home, when they've had leads that they've blown, including to Ohio State, you know, it's because they're so young. Yeah, I mean, they, they lose to Miami and Virginia at home, two bubble teams. Miami's probably on the right side of it with, with uh, the strong wins that they've had. But Duke, Duke is susceptible. I mean, it's Coach K's last year, so I think you're going to look at him having his team peaking in March, kind of what we talked about with Maryland women's basketball. He's, an, he's 
arguably the best coach in the history of college basketball. So he's going to have his team peaking in March. But you you gotta you gotta feed Bancaro in the second half. You can't play those games and have him only take one shot and be on the floor the whole entire yeah. time. It's, it's 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 unacceptable. And that's also on him. You know, he's going to be. Oh, of course, he's going to be a top five pick. But he needs to like you need to be more aggressive in those games. Yes, the coaching coaching needs to find him more opportunities. But you know, if you're a superstar and you're going to be one of the best players coming out of college this year, assuming he goes to the draft. You need you need to find ways to score in a tight game like that in the second half. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I mean what Ben said with Tony Bennett, the defense. That's that's where they. I think that's where Virginia rides and dies every season. Uh, but that's a masterclass defense in the second half to hold them to one shot. But I I agree with both of you guys. Coaching staff needs to figure out a way to get him the ball offensively. And I mean he still had nine rebounds and three assists. He's doing other things without the ball, but. You want him to have the ball in his hands and score. That's he's one of the best players in the country. So you got to find him looks, but also he has to be more aggressive. And I think that that comes with time. But he's going to be one and done. So we'll see. Yeah. So we'll obviously, you know, Duke will always be in the headlines, and we'll always continue to talk about them. Another big result from last night was number twenty ranked Texas took down number eight Kansas at home. Kansas was a um, a favor, one and a half point favor going into that game. Big time win for Texas with a questionable stork storming. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, court storming. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so Texas Texas has a much needed win after you know that loss to Texas Tech. They were kind of falling off the wagon a little bit, but this is a huge win for Kansas, the Kansas team that's one of the best teams in the country, easily a national title contender, and also com- was coming off a monster win over Baylor. You know, it was a great game all around, and this is the Big Twelve this year where these upsets can happen. And everything's so tightly contested. But I want to talk. I want to ask you about this game. What would you see from this game? But then also in about the Big Twelve as a whole. And you know the the, the four top teams are really like it's really a battle for that Big Ten for that Big Twelve title this year. It's going to be a very esteemed title, like a lot of conferences, including the Big East and Big Ten that we'll get to. But what what are your early impressions? Not early, but what are your impressions from the Big Ten, uh, Big Twelve? Excuse me, at this point in the season. Just touching on, on last night's game, uh, really physical, great game. Uh, refs were letting him play, and it, it was awesome. Timmy Allen, uh, transfer, was excellent with, with 24 points. That was a season high, nine boards. And it was, he was 11 for 17 from the field, all mid-range shots all mm-hmm. or, or laughs. And it was, it was just a really impressive stuff from him. But you look at the Big 12 at large, um, Kansas still a game up on everyone else. You trust Kansas in these situations more than any other program, Bill Self and Kansas, because, what, they won 12 or 13 conference titles in a row before that streak was snapped uh, a couple years back. But you got to trust Kansas. You look at uh, Ochai Abaji, one of the best players in the entire nation. Texas held him to only seven shots last night. I mean, he's, he's in the National Player of the Year race, and you look at some of his games from earlier in the season when they beat Texas Tech in double overtime, for comparison, he took 23 shots. So that that's a high volume superstar yeah. player who Texas just he just didn't even take that many shots last night. So I think it's it's a good win from Texas in that aspect that they didn't let Abaji hurt them. But going forward, I think I got to ride with Kansas to win the Big Twelve. But there are threats like Texas Tech. Really impressed with what I've seen from them and Mark Adams in his first year as coach. Yeah, uh, and that was an awesome atmosphere. Yeah, Texas, wish Texas wish Tech wish game. we did a pod after that game. And of course, you can't doubt Baylor with with the national championship pedigree there. I think th- it's definitely going to come down to the wire. But I do like Kansas down the stretch uh, coming into into March. I know their schedule does open up a little bit. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, Kansas State, Baylor again, and then TCU twice, and Texas again at home. So I think I think we might see Kansas go 
seven and one in that stretch? Is is, is that a crazy I take? Mean, no, like no. I mean, <laughs> I think Kansas is the favorite too. I mean, it's really the race and for the Big Ten regular. I mean, excuse me, the Big Twelve regular season, but also when the tournament comes around. I mean, it's really between Kansas, Baylor, Texas Tech, and Texas. And I agree that Kansas is the favorite, but I don't think Kansas is that much better than Baylor than what we saw on display. Agreed. The I agree. Um, you know, I think if they play again, and assuming in the tournament. That that's going to be a much closely contested game. You know, Scott Drew does not have his guys playing that poorly and with that little effort. But I think Kansas is the favorite. And do you agree, Matt? I I think yeah. I mean, what you said about Kansas and Baylor that was a complete blowout. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a fluke. Yep, um, agreed with that. I, I would say it's between one of those two teams. I I don't know. I don't know about Texas Tech just yet. Um, I think that they're they're definitely solid. Eighteen and five overall, seven and three, tied for second right now with Baylor in the Big Twelve. But just based on history and and coaching, I think I'd go with Kansas or Baylor to win that conference. But they play each other again later on in the year. I think that's going to be probably one of the better games in the entire country, the entire season. Uh, but Baylor is going through some struggles right now. Once they figure it out, they're a top three team in the country, probably definitely mm-hmm. top five. They were ranked number one for a while this season, so I, I don't think you could write them out yet, but Kansas is definitely probably uh, the front runner so far. Yeah, and so and those are the games last night. Like I said, it's Tuesday recording this. You know, Tuesdays, Tuesdays and Saturdays, you know, every day in the college basketball this time of year performs, but Tuesdays and Saturdays are obviously the games with the, the greatest slate. So we're going to touch on a few of the games tonight, and we're going to start with number 18, Marquette. Um, at number 24, UConn, and then we'll get into a conversation about the Big East here. But Marquette is having an awesome year. You do not sweep oh, Villanova man. and no, Jay Wright's teams not. In, in a season, and that was incredibly impressive. Obviously, we're recording here in College Park. Daryl Morcel um, is having an incredible year leading that Marquette team. Shaka Smart has done an amazing job in his, in his first year at the turnaround. And, and then, but this is an interesting game. You know, UConn's favored by, by seven, um, they're off two tough back-to-back losses, one against Creighton, and then they lost to Villanova this past Saturday without Justin Moore, and Colin Gillespie goes down late in the game when it's already over. But, you know, this UConn team, you know, off back-to-back losses is an interesting line that they're favored minus seven, even though they are at home. But what, what are we expecting from, the, from this game? Well, you look back in December, UConn beat Marquette by eight, but they're just two totally different ball clubs right now. Marquette... Uh, what is they won eight of their last nine? Like yep. you said, the sweep over Villanova. Justin Lewis playing like a potential NBA first rounder for them. And you look at Marquette, their resume overall this season, they can earn their eighth quad one win tonight, which would be their the most in the country. Obviously, quad one wins is, is the new tool they're looking at with, with the net. I think it's one through 30 home wins, maybe one through 45 neutral, one through 75 on the road. Could be a, a few numbers off there, give or take. But this is going to be a really, really good game. I think UConn's got to... Ha- a sweep over Marquette would be huge for UConn, mm-hmm. especially, you know, they got embarrassed by Villanova. Villanova didn't have Justin Moore this past weekend. UConn's lost two in a row. They need to get some of that identity back. I know I brought that word up a lot, but it's such a big theme when you're here in February heading into March. Um, this is where it matters most. These are these are going to be two tournament teams. If Marquette can win this one, I think we'll see them maybe on the two or the three line of the they tournament at this point. I mean, it depends how they, they, they perform in that Big East tournament if they get upset early, which I don't see happening. But if they do, somehow um, they 
you know, they might fall a little bit. But, you know, this team was voted ninth. Crazy. In the preseason to finish in the Big East. It's, and it's, that it's, one it's been tournament. to Chaka. Yeah, absolutely. That, like, he's really found the perfect spot there after jumping around a little bit. Um, it seems like he should be there for a while. And obviously a big part of that is Daryl Morsell. I know you missed Daryl Morsell here, Matt. What, 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 do you, what, what have you seen from him this year? That's just like his three ball is even, he's knocking down his three ball at a high level too, which, you know, he had the shoulder problems last year, but we weren't seeing that last year in Maryland. He's just an absolute winner. I think that's no question. That's the kind of player he's been in, in his four years at Maryland, and the the one year at Marquette now where he he brings up the ball, he does everything. He plays off the ball. He he literally is like almost. I don't know if they have official captains, but he is looks like their leader on the floor every night, and mm-hmm. he's driving to the basket, dunking over everybody. He's just having probably the best year of his career. He's averaging thirteen and a half points right now, and I I don't know. If you would have told me that when he decided to transfer there, he was going to make this no, much not, of, not a, like this. Of, of a difference. Well, people people were killing crazy. the decision. People were like, Marquette's yeah. going to stink. And and they've, they've surprised everyone. Yeah, Justin Lewis has been great. Both Baltimore guys. Um, I, I think that this is a great situation for Daryl, and I'm so happy for him. He's such a, he's such a great kid, great player. Uh, I, I I think that the Big East being back like this is oh just so God. much fun. It's amazing. I mean, right now, I think they have the most teams uh, who should make the tournament right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, yeah, like, well, I guess we can go right into the, the conversation about the Big East, but they might be the deepest and toughest conference in the entire country. And, you know, the Big Ten's obviously still up there, but and it may not be at necessarily at the top of the Big East, but in terms of their depth, you know, there's no easy night in the Big East. Obviously, Providence... Um, yeah, they have been terrific this year, and even though Ken Palm doesn't have them ranked too highly, they've been amazing, ten and one in the conference. Villanova is Villanova. We can talk about them. Then Marquette, UConn, Xavier, Creighton—you know—all these, all these teams could potentially be tournament teams, and they've been terrific this year. I mean, the Big East, the Big East is back. There's nothing more to say than that. Absolutely, I think it's. I think the Big Twelve might be a bit deeper. That's obviously a debate to have there. But you look at the Big East and it being back. It's just, it's great for college basketball. This is the, probably the most fun that the, this new version of the Big East since the Syracuses and the Pitts, all those teams left the conference, where it's, it's just been fun basketball. Uh, DePaul and Georgetown are sitting at the bottom, but even Georgetown hasn't won a game. I mean, that they're, they've been a mess. I know they're local. We can we can talk about that some other time. But DePaul, even even 2-9, and nine without without their best player this past weekend, they go into Xavier and they, they beat them. Mm-hmm. So it's just like any given night in this conference, you're seeing really, really competitive stuff in the, in the top of the conference. Uh, you're seeing maybe three teams that could be top four seats in March in Providence, Absolutely. Villanova, and Marquette. Maybe UConn and, if they start to get hot. And so, yeah, so as we look at this, who do you see the favorite? Obviously, Providence is playing the best. You know, it's impossible to count out a Jay Wright-led team, even though this Villanova team is very talented. You know, their top five is amazing. But they don't have a lot of depth, and that, that's usually a problem. When you look at Nova's national championship teams that in 2016, 2018, those teams had a lot of depth. And this team does not. Obviously, Con Gillespie, Justin Moore is great. Um, they have Eric Dixon, who who's come come into his own. That's just classic Jay Wright being able to convince a guy to stay when there's everything is transfer, transfer, transfer. If you're not getting your immediately shot, what Jay Wright does to convince a guy to stay around, develop, and you're going to get your time to shine. It's literally no other coach in the entire country can do it like Jay Wright does, and somehow they buy in, and and it's worth it because these guys do develop, and you're seeing that with the big year Eric Dixon's having. But so I mean. It's hard for me to not give the edge to Villanova as the favorite right now in the Big East, but who, who do we think? Yeah, I, I, it's going to be hard to disagree with you there just because, I mean, Villanova is two games back of Providence in the loss column, but they also play again twice. Yeah. 
So am I taking Villanova in both those games? Hypothetically, probably. It, it towards the end of February. What is it? They play March first, but like and February fifteenth. Susceptible to the one hundred percent. They're susceptible, and I don't. And by any means, I don't think this is a vintage Villanova team. Mm. I don't think Colin Gillespie's a point guard. You're going to win a national championship or make a Final Four with. Well, uh, maybe he, he could. He could definitely no, he's prove not, me wrong. He's, he's not Archie. He's not no, John Brunson. He's not. But you can win with. He's a winner. Like he's. He's definitely a winner. Still. I don't. I don't think he's a national championship starting point guard. He could prove me wrong. But that's that's just that's just my take there. I think. I think. Villanova will somehow they'll find a will they'll find a way they'll get the sweep over Providence and then the rest of the schedule it's a little difficult they play at UConn um, at St. John's tonight uh, I don't know what the status on Justin Moore and and, uh, and Gillespie there I know they were both game time time decisions so that 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 screams trap game there Um, I don't know I give the edge to Villanova um, as being the best team in the conference. I don't know if they're going to win it given their schedule and the injuries they're going through, but I think when it's all said and done at the end of the year, who was the best team in the Big East, uh, I think I'm going to have to side with Villanova there. I agree, but I don't know how much I buy into Providence, honestly. Well, they, they, per Ken Palm, they're, they're the luckiest team in the country. Like crazy. 11-0 right and 0 in single-digit games. That could be another team that's an early early upset potential in the tournament. If They could be a top-four team in the tournament. But then they could be a second round out. They're one of those teams. And you mentioned it earlier, Sam. Ed Cooley is a potential Maryland candidate, or at least people have been up. talking to him. I mean, there's pretty much he, he's an alum of Providence yeah. as well. Like, there's pretty much no chance that they let him go. Yeah. The they, only way is if Maryland offers them yeah. him the absolute bet. But uh, yeah, I mean, you're looking at at five ranked teams in the conference, and then Creighton and Seton Hall, who maybe even St. John's, if they could sneak in. Those are all above 500 overall yeah. teams. And then Butler's really struggled. DePaul and Georgetown, I'm shocked they haven't won a conference game yet. But, I mean, this is just, I, I think this is just classic Big East basketball. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to watch the Big East tournament. And, I mean, I need Gus Johnson on the call for those games. Those are <laughs> Gus and Bill Electric. need it. It's, it's the greatest. But, so, UConn, I mean, UConn can yeah. even be sneaky. I don't know if they have enough to, to come back out of the hole they're in, in in the conference, but can they win the Big East tournament? Absolutely. I, I, I just think that this March for Big East, the Big East Conference, is going to be spectacular. But I would say right now you, it's hard to go away from Villanova as the team that could probably win the regular season. Yeah, and so real quick, let's just give our picks for um, the Marquette-UConn um, game tonight. Like I said earlier, the, the line is UConn minus 7, I think. And it's at UConn, but I think this is going to be a very close game. I, I, I think this is a must-win for UConn, kind of, just to get their energy back. You mm-hmm. know, obviously two tough losses, like we said earlier, to Creighton and Villanova. So I think, and I think UConn's better than what they've performed, and Hurley's going to get them playing with a ton of energy, especially at home. So I think UConn wins the game. I don't think they cover. I think UConn wins by about three or four. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I think UConn by, by four or five. Um, I don't know if it's going to come down to the last possession, but it's going to come down to the last couple minutes. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I'm with you there, Sam. Yeah, I agree with both you guys. I think I mean, you just can. just by looking at the spread, I think it's I think it's minus six now. We t- yeah, typed this up it's last moving, night, but. so it is. Yeah, it's minus six right now for UConn. That's just like I too feel like that's points. too much, yeah. right? Yeah, I, I would say probably a one possession game, a win late. Yeah. Tuesday Biggie battle. That is I mean, a ton of points. Yeah, I, I think Marquette. Uh, I mean, they're going to compete the whole game. This is going to be back and forth. Whoever comes out in the second half and just controls the game is probably going to be the team that wins. So I, I, I'd pick UConn, but I think Marquette covers. 
so now we'll go into a big, uh, big, a couple Big Ten battles. You know, there's uh, two ranked battles going on tonight. First, number 14, Wisconsin, at number 17, Michigan State. Michigan State has been struggling. Another team law that um, didn't lose to a row. They barely beat Maryland, but then they were destroyed by Rutgers. This Michigan team has not been playing well. You know, Tom Izzo's best teams that have been made for March, they have a true point guard that, that can really run the show. This team does not. Um, Wisconsin, they've fallen off a little bit, but I still think this is one of the best teams in the Big Ten. They barely beat Penn State, obviously Johnny Davis. This line is Michigan State. Again, it's at Michigan State. Michigan State minus four, and these lines are a courtesy of DraftKings. But the line, the, the so the line's Michigan State minus four. What do we think of this game? It's it's a tough one. Um, I think you look at this matchup, Michigan State won by 12 the first time at the Cole Center. So I think Wisconsin's going to be out there for a little bit of revenge. But my worry with Michigan State, obviously reeling a little bit, barely beat Maryland, pounded by Rutgers at the rack, or now Jersey Mike's Arena. Um, <laughs> but I think when you look at it's Tom Izzo, fitting name ever. so fitting. Uh, you look at uh, Michigan State, Tyson Walker, I don't think he's, he's a great Michigan State point guard like they've had in the past. He's decent. Um, Max Christie, the highly tatted freshman, Gabe Brown, Lee Hall are all really good players. But is this really a vintage Izzo team is my question. They don't really have that superstar that we've become accustomed to in the past, whether it be, you know, Denzel Valentine, Draymond Green and, back in the day. But And this also is a Michigan State team that isn't like – Michigan State teams are super tough, super physical, dominate the offensive glass. They're, they're this soft. Michigan State team is not a typical Michigan State team. I don't think this team is, is – as good as these other teams in the Big Ten. We'll see what happens tonight at Michigan State because Wisconsin is one of the better teams in the Big Ten, but it should be an interesting matchup. I will say, I don't think that Michigan State really controls games this year as much as they have had in the past. And even that Maryland game, like they completely blew a 15-point lead. Maryland comes out of a hole. All of a sudden, it's a last-second shot. And, you I mean, everybody in that in the Xfinity Center knew that shot was going in. They knew yeah. the call timeout with 11 seconds left. The the play is going to take either 10 or 11 seconds, and Michigan State's going to score with either one second left or time expiring. And Malik Hall put in a layup with one second left. That was exactly what everybody knew. I think with a team that's, I mean, they beat Maryland, but get blown out by Rutgers. They're starting to struggle a little bit, but they go back home. I think that Tom Izzo is a great enough coach to, to be able to just stop the bleeding right now. I mean, Michigan State usually doesn't bleed as bad. I mean, last year is just a completely different season. But I think that this team is good. They have talent. They're not. I, I think they come out with a win tonight, but it's all because Tom Izzo is one of the greatest coaches ever, and <laughs> they, ha they just have to be able to find a way to win and stop the struggles now before it gets too late. I, I do agree. This is, it's like now or never for Michigan State, right. especially at home. You know, if, if they're going to compete with the top of the Big, uh, Big Ten, they, they need to prove it um, really right now. But look at the standings. It's, it's, it's four teams all separated by one game in the loss column. Yeah, so, so I mean, this is a huge game. Or can, five, excuse me. Yeah, Sorry. And, and those are the five that are ranked. Yeah. Those are the five to beat. And again, it's going to be another great Big Ten tournament and finish this regular season. All right, so who do we got in this Michigan State game? Again, like we said, Michigan State minus four um, on the DraftKings sportsbook. We don't know. Um, I, I don't like. I, I, this is a really tough game to call. So for me, tough, but, but I don't know. I think Michigan. I think this is another tight. Great Big Ten Tuesday matchup. I think Wisconsin covers the four. I'm not sure if they're going to win, but I think it comes down to the last couple possessions. I like Michigan State here. I, I hate to be be chalky with with the favorites, but I think it's it's a really good rebound spot. Um, 
if it's anything like Michigan State teams of the past, they won't follow up a, a bad or a close win over a bad Maryland team and a horrible loss at Rutgers to a dud performance at home against Wisconsin. You know the Izzo is going to be rocking. I think I think that four point spread is right around where the result will be. I'll, I'll, I'll take Michigan State um, by five tonight. Uh, I'm also going chalk, but as I said before, I think Michigan State has to find any single way to win. This is probably a typical Johnny Davis goes crazy game, but Wisconsin falls up just short. And that's almost what Maryland did to them. And Maryland lost by one to Wisconsin, so and in a game where Johnny Davis really played well. I can see that happening tonight. But it's always hard to beat a team twice in the Big Ten, regardless of where you're playing. But I think it helps that Michigan State lost the first game against Wisconsin. They come back home now struggling a little bit. Just They're going to figure it out, I think, mm-hmm. tonight, and they'll probably win by five or six. All right, so now we're going to go to another Big Ten matchup of the night, maybe the game of the night. Um, number 13, Illinois, 10-2 and two in the Big Ten, at number three, Purdue, 9-3 and three in the Big Ten, Another <laughs> teams that are separated by just one game here, you know, with these great Big Ten matchups. Guys can leap, teams can leap each other at any time. Nine o'clock on ESPN, um, Purdue is favored by five and a half on DraftKings. This is this is going to be an incredible game, and I like to give. I'll just give a pick immediately. I'm going to give the edge to Purdue. Yeah, this this Purdue team is playing really well. They're on a five game win streak. I think they're the best team in the Big Ten, and they're a legitimate national title contender. Everyone's talking about when can a Big Ten team make a big run in the tournament and win a national title. I look at this Purdue team as a definitely. A, Obviously, it could get upset early too, but I think this Purdue team is is the team to do that in the Big Ten this year. I think Purdue wins fairly handily. I think they cover it. Not handily, but I think they win by like 7 or 8. It's a tight game throughout. They're going to have a good game plan for uh, um, Kofi Cockburn. Obviously, they have a, they have their own seven footers that should make it easier. I don't expect him going off for 30-plus like he did the other night against Purdue. Like he did the other night. I don't see that happening against Purdue, but I do think... Um, it's going to be, I think Purdue just, I think Purdue gets it done somewhat handily. Yeah, I think Purdue uh, has it in terms of what you're looking for in, in, in the best team in the Big Ten and who it can make the it. deepest run in, in, yep, exactly, the deepest <laughs> run in the, in, the, in the NCAA tournament. I mean, they have the best offense in the country in terms of adjusted efficiency. Uh, suspect defense, uh, 107 in terms of defensive efficiency and uh, 183 in uh, the country in three-point percentage for their opponents. Um, but I think this is it's a rematch of the epic double overtime game on, on Martin Luther King Jr. Day where uh, Purdue took down Illinois on the road. Illinois' crowd was awesome. I think we're going to see one of the best crowds in the country. It's going to be tough to top uh, that atmosphere at Texas Tech yeah. uh, last week. But Mackey Arena is going to be rocking tonight. I think there were moments in that first game where you saw Kofi look a little overwhelmed by Zach Eady in the post. Because, I mean, Eady's just, just a monster, and, and he's a one-of-a-kind player you're going to go against. But you could say the same for Kofi. I think Eady overwhelms him a bit again at home. I think we're going to see a big game from Sasha Stefanovic on the outside, Jaden Ivey making plays for his teammates. I think it'll be close. Uh, we could see... Uh, Trent Frazier, uh, friend of a friend of the program, um, <laughs> make a uh, make a couple big threes tonight. But I like Purdue uh, at home. My pick is going to be Purdue minus what is it five and a half? You said yeah. Sam. I, I think I like Purdue by ten. I think it's it's going to be close to the final five minutes, but they'll pull away, and it'll it'll be a great game. It'll be a great product, and uh, be Big Ten basketball, baby. I mean, this is the best game of the year again. Part two. You're talking about a Martin Luther King Day special. Home for winter break, sitting on the couch, twelve o'clock on a Monday, just absolutely inhaling college basketball. <laughs> yeah. and, and that was this game. You're watching this double OT in Champagne, 
who I mean that was that was one of the best games I've ever watched, and now we get to see it again. Um, I think Purdue's the better team, but there's so much star power on the floor for both of these teams. Jaden Ivey, I think, is the best guard in the sport. He's really just he impresses me every time he touches the ball. Every every night I watch Purdue, he does something that shocks me that he can do that. Mm-hmm. He's just a freak athlete. And what a luxury that they have with Trayvon Williams coming off the bench. I think that's got to be the craziest concept that I couldn't comprehend early on in the year. Got to watch them in person at the Barclays Center right before Maryland played against Florida. I mean, that was an overtime game again against North Carolina State and Purdue wins. So, Which is not very good. North Carolina State is awful no, this no. Week, but But somehow they just dominate in that overtime period. They dominated in the double OT for both overtimes against Illinois. And... I mean, you're looking at a six or seven four Zach Eady and a six ten Travion Williams going up against a seven footer in Coburn. It's just it's basically two v one at that point. I mean, they're usually not on the floor together, but when one of them comes off, Coburn still has to deal with that, and he has to play them differently too because they they Williams and and Eady play differently. But I think the jump that Zach Eady's made this season is probably the best in the country, yeah. and. Up, up, well, the, up there with Keegan, Keegan Murray, Murray and Johnny Davis. True. That is true. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's so. But much. you look it's at you look at three, yeah, three of the Big Ten's yeah, best it's all, it's all been improved. Um, but the way that that kid moves at seven four, two hundred ninety five pounds is just. I mean, he's a monster. He's an alien. I, this this Purdue team really just stands out to me as a, a team that could win it all. I don't know if they will because everybody thinks that they. I mean, this was like Illinois last year. With Io and Kofi, I was like, "Oh, Illinois is going to win the whole thing," and then mm-hmm. they get bounced very early. Who knows what happens in March? But I think this game is—I hope it tops the, the first matchup. But I, I'm going to pick Purdue. Maybe Illinois covers, but I—I I, I could either see it being really tight or Purdue just wins by like 20. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to pick Purdue to win. Should be a good one, nine Eastern on ESPN. Before we get into a big SEC matchup tonight, let's just go over the Big Ten real quick and give our early, I mean, obviously there's multiple weeks left, but who do we see capturing this Big Ten crown? I think, like I said, I think Purdue's the favorite. I think they're the most built for a run in March, but I think Ohio State is right there with them, and they're fifth in the standings right now. Sneaky. They're all separated by one game, but Ohio State, just a week or so ago, they only lost by Purdue by three points in a great game. Um they lost to Purdue by three points, excuse me, in a great game. I think Ohio State's the second-best team in this conference. And I know Illinois, when they're fully healthy, how dangerous they are. Wisconsin at any moment can explode. Again, I don't see Michigan State quite on the same level as then. But I think it's Purdue 1 and Ohio State 2 in this conference right now. Yeah, i like Purdue to win the conference. Uh, I don't know if I'd go as far to say that Ohio State is the second-best team. It's close because EJ Liddell is a national player of the year candidate. When, when he's himself, going and he's he knocking is, down shots from the perimeter. We saw it against Maryland the other but night. Yeah, but Plus, he gets in his own. It's, it's, it's different. It's, it's dangerous. But, yeah, I, th- I, think, I think I'd give the slight edge to Wisconsin over Ohio State just because, I mean, I, I really like the way Wisconsin's roster is constructed, not only with Johnny Davis, but you got 27th-year senior Brad Davison, and uh, and then you got Tyler Wall, who's... Xavier Green is older w- than him. Crazy. And, <laughs> Oldest player in Power 5. And Tyler, Tyler Wall, um, who's, who's, who's a really good post player. Um, he's, he's listed at 6'9". I don't know if he's, he's that tall, but he's, he's really good in the post uh, in terms of making plays for his teammates and, and making shots for himself. Um, does Wisconsin get another shot at Iowa or at Ohio State? They don't. They beat them by. Oh right, excuse me. They played ten. Uh, they played twice. Uh, Ohio State killed them back uh, in December 
and they their second revenge. and they got revenge at home uh, earlier this earlier in uh, January. So I like I think I'd go Purdue, Wisconsin, uh, Illinois or Purdue, Wisconsin, Ohio State. I, I don't. Ohio State might be fourth for me. I don't think I can. I can bump really? down Illinois down to four. I, I I think they're they're too impressive. I think I think that's going to be the top four in some order. I don't think Wisconsin's form. right there with either those two either those two teams in Illinois and Ohio State. I understand if you have those two teams neck and neck. I think Wisconsin. I mean Wisconsin's clicking. You know, obviously you said Brad Davis and Johnny Davis, all of them when they're shooting the ball very well, you know, they can put up tons and tons of points, and it's hard to keep up with them. But I just think they're neck below and below these other teams. I don't know. I got Ohio State four, and I think Michigan State five. But Matthew, I, I think I, I yeah I I think I put Purdue one. Oh, I I don't know. I feel like I can't bump Illinois as down. I don't know Illinois or Wisconsin at two, and then yeah I'd probably say Ohio State then Michigan State, but I think. I I think it's more of like a two A two B two C type. Like I don't yeah. think uh, like Ohio State is I is not your like typical fourth yet. best team in the. But I think in the we all agree that Purdue is number one. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. consensus. I'm not necessarily know if they're going to win that Big Ten tournament because that's going to be an absolute battle yeah. in Indianapolis. I mean, you in can March, I, I could see a team like it's it's just about who gets hot. Indiana, yeah, Michigan, yeah. Michigan so, could get hot. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times you see the team that does not win these conference tournaments, they're the ones that make the big run yep. in March. We see that all the time. Now, Our, last question, we'll, we'll, we're going to talk about this for weeks, but how many of these teams make the NCAA tournament? Because I think, it's, the big less 10? Than, I think it's less than what, what we thought preseason. Definitely oh, less. less. Because Michigan's been horrible. Yeah. And Michigan was supposed to be one of the best teams in the Big Ten. I think it's seven, maybe I think 7-2 with, with Michigan potentially being the eighth, Illinois, Wisconsin, Purdue, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Indiana, Indiana are all going to be in. Iowa's right there. They got to get some more wins. Well, Rutgers, I don't think I think Rutgers is is. I, I'm just not a fan of Rutgers' resume. The, the, yeah. the loss to Lafayette earlier in the season. I mean, their road record is so bad. Of the they have they have manager for Lafayette. Yeah, JJ Solana. But uh, we <laughs> they have they have three quad three slash quad four losses, which I think is just going to be too tough to overcome. They do have they have the great wins over Purdue and, and Michigan State at home. The Rack's obviously a tough place to play. though. Maryland got went in there and got a W. I just I I think Rutgers. The losses on Rutgers' resume are probably too tough. Yeah, I think there's I think there's six locks. Indiana being that six team, obviously. Agreed. I think there's potential. Also, if they make a little run in that big, uh, Big Ten tournament, but I think there is potential for either for one of Rutgers, probably not Rutgers, but most likely Michigan or Iowa. If Iowa gets hot, they're playing Maryland on Thursday in a couple of days. Here, you know, if Iowa can get hot and make a little bit of a push, I think there's the potential for them. But it'll probably be around seven. Eight teams would be pushing it, but in the preseason, I forget how many we were in last year. It was a record Ten, amount. I think. Ten, yeah, yeah. But, but in the preseason, we thought at least eight teams, maybe even nine from the Big Ten this year. But obviously, there's been there's been some disappointments. Of course, Maryland was one of those teams that everyone thought was easily going to make, uh, and they have no yep, shot now. Yep. But all right, so let's get to this SEC matchup of the night. Number one, Auburn at Arkansas. Seven on ESPN two. Auburn is only minus two because they're on the road, and we've seen Auburn barely escape oh my God. Georgia. Georgia team that. You know they're one of the worst teams in Power Five. I thought, but they beat Alabama. They could they they came in and competed with Auburn, obviously down to the very very wire. So maybe Georgia's not as bad as everyone thought. Um, Jabari Smith has been absolutely electric for Auburn. They're terrific. What do you, what do you see from this matchup and who do you have? I I think Auburn's going to lose eventually. I don't necessarily, and I do think they're going to get upset. 
they're not going undefeated in the SEC, that's for sure. I don't think it's tonight against Arkansas, even though they're on the road. I think I think you're going to see a crazy Bud Walton arena tonight when Auburn comes to town. You saw on Saturday Auburn versus Georgia. When you're number one in the country, you're getting yeah, everyone's best shot. Absolutely. And, and, they're, and they're experiencing that now. And that's only going to help them in March. Probably. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and they're going to have to lose between now and March, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But I think you look at Arkansas, they did not even re- resemble a tournament team uh, late December, early January. Lost five of six. Couple, lost to Hofstra. Lost to Vanderbilt. Um, I won't disrespect Hofstra too much. Uh, they played Maryland close as well. But um, Arkansas has now won eight in a row, as hot as it could be. Moss has got them playing at, 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 at a really high level right now. And it, it's good. it's tough because I mean Auburn Auburn's the better team, but I think I gotta I gotta go anti chalk here and, and change up my picks. I like Arkansas to knock off Auburn at home, get the win. I know Jabari Smith could easily be the number one pick. He's been limited at times, um, which is a bit concerning. I know Georgia he he I don't think he had the volume. Uh, if I'm mistaken, I'll look at that. But um, and then Walker Kessler has obviously been great in the post. Uh, could be defensive player of the year. Is the best block percentage in the entire country. Um, but I, I don't know. I like I like Arkansas here. I think it's a prime upset spot for Auburn. And a loss here really won't be the end of the world. Uh, Gonzaga will go back to being number one, um, which they're probably the best team in the country right now. Anyways, um, and Auburn, I think, will be just fine going forward. But I like Arkansas with a much-needed win tonight at 7. Matt? 7 o'clock. I think you guys are absolutely right about Auburn needing to lose before March. And we talked about that all last season. I don't know if you guys remember. With who? But I would say that Michigan needed oh, to yeah. lose last year and before they, they got into postseason yeah, We did talk play. about that. And we all know what happened with that. So yeah. I think Auburn does need to lose. You can't just – it's impossible to win all these games in a row and just be that good. I'm, I'm still shocked they haven't yet in the SEC this season. But I think that they win this game and they're probably going to sneak it out they're what's the spread two two, two points yeah. for DraftKings. They'll, they'll probably win by one or two or three maybe but it's 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 going to be in my opinion very similar to their last game against georgia where i think georgia should have probably won that game but auburn's a better team and they closed out better and i mean you look at college basketball games all the time they're close every night which every team has a closer and can go to a guy just get a bucket which and then get a stop. That's it. So they have several guys. A that lot can get of guys. A bucket. Yep. I think Arkansas is a very good team, but I would say Auburn closes out the game better. And just a mistake for Arkansas late will lead to an Auburn bucket and they'll win. Yeah, I mean, Oregon, I'm not taking away anything away from Arkansas. They're a great team, but I think maybe that Georgia matchup woke up Auburn a little bit. They realized they are going to get everyone's best shot, especially on the road in those crazy atmospheres. And this line really says that Arkansas is going to win the game. But I still think Auburn edges this one out. And they'll have opportunities where they're going to get upset later on as we finish up SEC play. But I think Auburn edges this one out and wins by about five, five or six. Um, all right, so now quickly before we wrap up here, let's just get who are the favorites for you in the SEC. Obviously, it's Auburn, Kentucky. When I look at and you know, this conference isn't like the deepest. They're not the best, but their top two is the best top two in the country. And when I say, when I, we look, every time we have these uh, conversations about who's the best conference in the country, we always have them in the end of March when we look at or which teams are from, from the Final Four, which teams are last, how many teams from each conference are in the, are in the league, how many teams are in the Final Four. I can see the SEC having those teams in that Final Four and it being both Auburn and Kentucky. And I'm not taking away, anything away from Arkansas. Obviously, Alabama's been disappointing. Nate Oates, big buyout, potentially Maryland. Canada, who knows? But, but Auburn and Kentucky are the 
the top two easily. But I think out of any conference in the country, I'll take their top two over anyone. And these are two teams, especially Kentucky, who doesn't play nice, so we can talk about them. But these are two teams that can win this entire thing in March. Yeah, uh, if you told me Auburn and Kentucky would be playing in the national championship on April, whatever, sign me up because that game would be electric. Uh, Auburn did get that win over Kentucky after Tata Washington went down. Who knows what would have happened there. But uh, there, were, there were question marks about Kentucky uh, after they lost an over game earlier in the season on the road in front of a great crowd. Um, I think now people are starting to realize Notre Dame is probably maybe that third or fourth tournament team in the ACC. But I, I think Auburn and Kentucky, like you said, Sam, the strongest top two out of any conference. Because if you told me either of these teams would, would end the season with the national championship in their hands, I would not be surprised at all. And I think, I think John Kyle Parry might have been his biggest threat to win the national championship in a while. Maybe since that, that team that lost on the uh, loop, and it wasn't Peter, what was that, 27th, years, years and years and years. But uh, I think I, 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 I very much agree with you right there, Sam, with Auburn and Kentucky. You're probably the strongest cops to to of any any uh in country country. It seems like I'm just looking at the standings down up and down the line. I'm very very ACC than you than you usually see. It is in terms of depth, right? I mean, talking about talking about. And that wasn't the same. LSU was not good. Because Alabama was going to be more of a struggle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Florida. They were running around. So, so I think you're talking about four teams, teams that are, are competitive right now. Right now. Mississippi, Mississippi State a little bit, but Tennessee, Arkansas, Arkansas, Auburn, Auburn, I think between Auburn, 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 Kentucky. But I think Auburn, 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 and it shows, it shows the winner of all the Auburn's number 19 team in the history street. How much longer will that last? How long will they get that into the March? Or if they do, they do. And I don't know. I don't know. It's just, this is just like a shot shot there. I knew they were good, but I didn't expect them to be number one in the country. Bruce Brothers, Bruce Brothers, he said he didn't expect them to be the top of the top four in the SEC. I mean, I mean, I mean, it all, it all, it all is based on when they'll win. Everything is laid out, laid out.